the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We'll turn to Psalms 62. I'm gonna, I've made, uh, I feel like our Psalms time, I mean our uh, Acts time is up. I think you guys are axing right already and so, so we're gonna move on. You know after 12 weeks, sometimes that might be why ain't nobody here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I made the decision just in the nick of time here. <clears throat> But it was a good series. I, I love that series. It was really good. We might come back to it one day. We might do the second half of Acts. But today we've got a, a single message. I don't have a series for you, but I believe it's a very timely message. This message tonight came from prayer last night. Uh, you believe it? On the 4th of July, we still had six people show up to prayer and prayed out the plan of God, just like we always do. And one of the... the uh, the words that came forth was expectancy. And uh, Miss Kathy Calfee prayed that word out. And it just touched me. And I said, you know, there's a message in that. And I believe the Lord wants to share with us. So, you know, between last night and tonight, God's worked in my heart. And this is what we have. Psalm 62.5. My soul, wait thou only upon God for my expectation. There it is. Expectation. For my expectation is from Him. Where's your expectation from? That's a good question. That's the question we're ask, asking ourselves tonight. Where is your expectation from? So tonight's message is entitled... What to expect when you're expecting. Anybody used to have that book when you were pregnant? That's where we got the title. Angie was helping me with some ideas today. and She said, that's what you can call it. She remembered that book. The definition of expectation is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. A strong belief that something will happen. Now, that could work for you for the good, but if you're expecting bad, it can work for you for the bad. For example, I went to play golf with Angie earlier this spring. She don't really play, but she, li she likes to ride in a cart just to be with me. She's such a good wife. We spend some time together. Uh, and that's... You married folks might learn something from that. Even though she don't like to play golf, she likes to be with me. Sometimes I go where she wants to go when I don't want to go. But I want to be with her. Anyway, we get to this first tee where I play all the time. And I didn't recognize I had been doing it. 
until she pointed it out. Another thing good wives do. But I said, all right, I'm probably going to hit it in the water. Then I at least hit three in the water. It's a par five with water all the way down the right side, and I slice the ball. It's going to go in there every time. I'll probably shoot another 10 like I did last time. So I played the hole, hit a couple in the water. And then you go around the lake and you play a par three over the water. I always hit one in this water. What I do? Hit one in the water. She said, are you listening to yourself at all? She said, you're setting yourself up for failure. You've prophesied everything you're going to do today. She said, no wonder you can't play golf. <laughs> there might be some truth in that. Me and my brother went fishing Monday on my day off, and he took a day off because of the holiday. And uh, we went all the way down to Enid because we can't catch nothing at Arca Butler. <laughs> so I went to Enid, thinking a change of scenery. We fished and fished and fished all morning long. Got there early and everything. Got two bites. We was leaving, driving back home. No fish, two bites. <laughs> driving back home, and Heath, just about as pessimistic about fishing as I am, he said, he said, you know you got low expectations when you was just hoping to catch one fish. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know how you do it, Gary. Gary can go when nobody else is catching fish and catch a boatload. I only seem to go when nobody else is catching fish, and I don't catch any either. So I think fishing might have something to do with knowing when to go and when not to go. But anyway... It might have something to do with me knowing that I don't fish good, so I have low confidence in my fishing ability, so I don't fish hard enough or whatever. Something is going wrong. But I can tell you, either case, bad mouth in my golf abilities and bad mouth in my fishing abilities doesn't help either sport, and it doesn't help anybody that goes with me to have to sit through that. Right? So that's what we're talking about tonight. Expectations. Charles Spurgeon. Famous Christian said, you might not always get what you want, but you always get what you expect. I don't know about always get what you expect, but a lot of times it seems to be the case. And I think we can make a case for that if we were to try. And I would venture that your current expectations are either the product of some doubt and fear that you have in your life about something, like my golfing abilities. <laughs> Which, and doubt and fear both work against you. Or your expectations may be good and it may be the product of your faith and hope rising up. Those are two things that God gives us to help us be victorious instead of defeated. Faith and hope. Let's talk about faith and hope. And let's turn to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, first verse. I'm going to read it out of the King James because that's what I cut my teeth on. That's how I remember this scripture. It says, Now faith is the subs substance of things hoped for. So you got two of them right there, faith and hope in the same sentence. Faith is the substance of of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. I mean, this is stuff you can't even see yet. This is preliminary. This is before you get what you're praying for, for your, what you get for your hope and for. Faith 
causes something that hadn't even appeared yet to have substance. Because you believe, you receive it now, you don't wait till you get it. You already have substance because you believe now. Now, it says now faith is. It's not afterwards. It's not praying and then you get it and say, ah, I got faith now. Now faith is when you ask for it. It gives you substance to what you are hoping for. And it's not some, well, I hope I get it. No, it's a God kind of hope, which is a confident expectation. It's like, I got all my hope in this. I know it's coming to pass. It's a, it's, there's, there's no doubt in this kind of hope. There's not, I'm not hoping for it. I'm hope, I have hope for it, if that makes any sense. So you got faith and hope, and it brings substance to things that's not even here yet. Now, if that won't create some expectancy in your prayers, having faith, having hope. In fact, you'll see tonight as we go on, the words faith and hope and expectancy are almost interchangeable in certain situations. Maybe I'm just preaching faith and hope in a different, with a different word tonight. But it, maybe it'll help us see in a different light. When your ladies are about to have a baby, you might say that I am expecting, right? Maybe the way I'm expecting. What are you expecting? Well, I'm expecting a beautiful, healthy baby. And you've and they're usually a joyful occasion. Why? Why are you expecting something good? Because God gives good things. The fruit of the womb is from the Lord, you know. And so you're expecting because you know, because you probably think that, hey, you know, it's gonna be like me. And if you're the dad, you're like, it's my seed. And you know the seed is good. You know the seed is good. Well, let me tell you about some seed that we know is good. When you're expecting your prayers to be answered, when you're expecting God to come through, when you're trusting in the Lord, your hope is in the Lord, you're standing on His Word, you got some good seed in the ground. You can be Expecting. Jesus expected good things when he was here. Man, he expected some miraculous things. I mean, he put himself out on the line, didn't he? Why? Because he's the Word of God. He knows it's good seed. He is the Word of God. Can you imagine if Jesus had negative expectations? The kind of Jesus that we'd read about? Lazarus! Stay put. <laughs> Martha said, thou stinkest by now, so don't come out. We don't want that. Bad, low expectations. That's not the Jesus that I remember. <laughs> right? He didn't say, hold on, disciples. What do we got? Five loaves and two fish. Take this back to that little kid. What are we going to do? We got 5,000 people out here. <laughs> we don't serve a low expectation Jesus. <laughs> Thank goodness. What was the next thing? Oh, the blind man. 
You remember one guy, Jesus touched his eyes and he said, can you see? And the man said, I see men walking like trees. Jesus said, well, good, that's better than I thought. <laughs> no, Jesus was like, what? Something wrong with you, fella? Let's touch your hand, eyes again because I know my power ain't waning. Cleared his eyes on up. High expectations. Like you said tonight, Peter. Peter, we got to pay our taxes, man. Get your fishing pole, run down to the lake, see if you can find a pawn shop and pawn it off and we'll pay our taxes. No! First fish you catch going to have a, a coin in his mouth. He knew exactly what to believe for. And he had faith that it would come to pass. He expected his word to come to pass. When he said, we're going across to the other side, but the wind and the waves came, he was still sleeping in the front of the boat. He wasn't worried about it because he knew he had spoken and it was coming to pass. He had expectations in his own word. The, the question is, is do we have expectations in Jesus' word? Gary says it's already settled, 100%. He knows that giving into this kingdom is giving to uh, saving up treasures in heaven. He knows. He's not doubting the things of God. He has expectations. His expectations are so far off, it, it ain't going to be till he gets to heaven till he's going to see some of his expectations. He's got expectations in heaven. And I can guarantee you, they'll be waiting on him when he gets there. Turn to Mark eleven twenty two. 22. Does this seem good to you and the Holy Ghost? Y'all know this. Anybody want to get up here and preach the rest of this? All right. Mark eleven twenty two. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Now, does it matter what you have faith in? Can you just have faith in Allah? Have faith in Buddha? As long as you have faith, you know, you'll be good. No. You better have faith in something you know will come through for you. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. How much doubt? No doubt. You must really believe it. But that's pretty miraculous sounding. I mean, have a mountain deposited over into the sea? Come on now. Could that happen? Well, do you have the faith? Can you really believe it? I would like to see somebody with that kind of faith. I'd like to see somebody say, okay, mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. With such faith, and no doubt in their heart that that mountain moved. If God said it, I believe it's possible. Some of us, you know, we're still working on getting rid of a small, light headache or something. You know, believe in God for that. That's okay. That's how your faith builds. One little step at a time. You start believing God, not doubting in your heart. I tell you that you can pray for anything. That opens up the door of possibilities, doesn't it? You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you receive it. In other words, 
if you expect it. If you expect it, it will be yours. That is pretty awesome. God is so big, and his statements are so big, that it's almost like we can't, we can't grasp. We can't even grasp what he says, much less what he does. Or who he is. Or this universe that he has created. There's so much about God we, we can't even grasp. And he's sitting here telling us that we can cast a mountain into the ocean. Giving man that kind of power. But it's what you're going to do with it. Do you expect when you pray according to God's will to get results? I'm working on it. I ain't there yet. But I'm trying to at least get past the negative expectations. All right? Right? Next time you go play golf with me, hopefully I won't be <laughs> negative the entire time. Everybody remembers Job, right? Had terrible things happen to him. But before that, it says that he was just scared about his kids. He was scared that they was going to get in trouble. He was scared that something was going to happen to him. Now, I'm not saying that fear opened the door to the devil. I don't know what happened. A lot of people preach it like they know exactly what happened. We know that the devil went to God and, and uh, asked God, could he test Job? We know that much. But was it because of Job's fear that God let him? We don't know that. But it does say in Job 3.25, Job said that what I feared the most has come upon me. What I greatly feared has come upon me. So his negative expectations came to pass. And it has been my understanding, it's been my observation, when I see people with negative expectations, typically their greatest fear comes upon them. People, for example, who... All they think about is sickness. Typically stay sick. Is it 100% all the time? I'm not saying that. But what you magnify often becomes your reality. What's big to you often becomes who you are. What comes out of our mouth steers our ship. What comes out of our mouth is birthed in what's in our heart and what we believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We set ourselves up for failure. Do you, do you always say things like, oh, it's always been like this for me. Nothing ever changes. It's, that's just my luck. If it ain't one thing, it's your mother. <laughs> Where's my mother? <laughs> Why does this always happen to me? Now, we all say these things at times. We all get frustrated. I do. We say negative things come out of our mouth. But it shouldn't be the rule, not the exception to the rule. 
Do you always replay your failures in your mind? You know, last time I was on the hill, on this hole, I hit four in the water. What's that? Replaying my failures in my mind. Seeing myself at the way I used to be. Staying in the same rut with my mouth. Do you mark on your calendar every past hurt and make anniversaries so you can experience and relive the pain all over again each year? A lot of people keep track of when so-and-so passed or this day when I'll... And they relive it every year. I'm not saying you don't respect those who have gone on, but I don't think they would be up there wanting you to do that. I think there's a healthy mourning process that you go through and you grieve, and then you live again. And you do not continue to grieve. At some point... You come back into the light. Do you know somebody that hums that song? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Well, they might not sing that exact one, but they're always just singing the same old song. And that's the song that gets stuck in your head right there. But their life seems to be singing this same old gloom, despair, and agony on me. Who wrote that song? The devil himself? (laughs) But pastor, you don't understand. I am sick. I am broke. My family is falling apart. But you're breathing, right? There's hope for tomorrow. We just can't look at everything in a negative. Even when it is negative. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have to look at the big picture. Paul said, for me to live as Christ, to die is even gain. We have the victory, no matter what happens down here. What you need is a new quarterback. Can you imagine an NFL team? They're down by five and they're... Two minutes left on the clock, and they're driving down the length of the field, and the quarterback gets in the huddle and says, All right, guys, I know our front line is undersized, and you're tired and slow, and those guys are probably going to tackle me, so uh, let's, just do a, let's just do a couple handoffs, and then we'll punt. Because we always lose to this team. They beat us every year. We'll probably get fourth or fifth again in the division this year. But this way we won't hurt ourselves trying. (laughs) How long would that quarterback last in the NFL? You can imagine. All right, guys, you got to suck it up. Pull your pants up and act like a man. You know, he's coming in, grabbing him by the face. Man, you ready? You better not let that guy get near me. He's encouraging. Yeah, let's get this done. When I say hut, you give me the best seven seconds of your life. That's what an NFL quarterback does. 
Your brain is your quarterback. You're calling the plays of your life. No wonder we're fumbling oftentimes. No wonder we're giving up. You need a new quarterback. Negative thoughts equal a negative life. There ain't no getting around it. If you always see the glass half empty, welcome to Negativeville. Where there is no joy. There's only regret. There's only pain. There's only sorrow. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Negative thoughts equal a negative life. But positive thoughts equal what? A positive life. That's just common sense. I'd advise you to run from negative people because they can rub off on you, but you can't run from yourself. you got to deal with yourself. I can tell you I was a negative person at my last job for many years because I didn't like being stuck in a cubicle. And I was hard to deal with. Totally lost all my Christian witness at, at the place for a long time. He's a Christian? No. I made myself miserable. Negative, negative, negative. If you're every thought, I don't see anybody in here that I see tonight that I recall being negative people. I see a bunch of happy people. That's why you're here. That's what makes you the next level bunch. So take this message and this podcast and share it on your Facebook account or something. Let other people hear this. But when you're down and you're tempted to go back to that old man, don't do it. You got a new quarterback. I'm not saying all expectations are true. Just because you're believing bad doesn't mean it's always going to be bad. But I'm saying clinging to negative expectations stacks the game against you. And why would you want to do that? Isn't life hard enough without you stacking the deck against your own self? Negative expectations limit God's power in your life. God doesn't work through negativity. God operates by faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. So you want God to operate. You want God-type power, the overcoming-type power in your life. Stop speaking negative and start believing God and speaking God's Word. Exhibit a little faith. So that God, you can give God something to work upon. A foundation from which he can launch out and do super things in your life. Many, I have noticed, will say things like, I just got bad luck, man. It always happens to me. But I look at their life and I realize it's not luck. It's the wages of their sin. Many people say, oh, I just, oh, I, I always get a speeding ticket. Every time I come, well, are you speeding? <laughs> so we're, this is a little off the subject, but let's just be real here for a moment. Sometimes the things in our life we bring upon ourselves because of disobedience. I can't help you. If you're disobedient to God, you're just going to have to expect a rough life. So let's just get that out of the way. Let's get that said. 
If you're disobedient to God, you don't do the things he says, and you don't... Ain't all the positive expectations in the world going to help you there. Because the, the blessings come through obedience. The blessings of God come through obedience. It's like he said to tithe. You're not tithing, don't expect any financial blessings. I don't care if you, if you give 9%, you ain't praying your tithes. It's not a 9% offering, it's just short of what you're supposed to give as a tithe. If you're not being obedient in the area of giving, then don't expect to be blessed financially. God's hands are tied. I can't help you. It's going to be a rough going if you won't be obedient. But if you're doing right. But if you are doing right, you have every reason in the world to expect God's blessing in your life. You have every reason to look with hope and expectation and faith rising up. 1 John 3.21 says, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, if, that's a big, strong two-letter word. That's a long two-letter word right there. If we don't feel guilty, if our hearts don't condemn us, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from him whatever we ask. That's a pretty broad statement. <laughs> whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Obedience. We can have whatever we ask if God can trust us to be obedient with it. He's just a good father up there. He's not going to give money to his son. He's going to go blow it on cocaine. But if he can trust that his son's going to be obedient, there's nothing he won't give his son that'll be helpful to him. Following God should make our expectations just go through the roof. Because obedience leads to blessing. It's time for some new expectations for us all. New expectations for a new day. One thing I have found out no matter what you've been going through, the problems in your past, maybe you're, you're living within some confines that you built for yourself. Obstacles. You disobeyed God here and there, and you went to jail, and you did this, you got fines, and you, you, you got this, and you're stuck in this nowhere job, and, and all these things going on, court cases, and all this stuff. And you see no way out. There's one thing I have found. That God's mercy is new every day. And if you just don't expect to stay stuck, you can expect your way out of your problems. God can lead you out from wherever you got stuck. He did it back in the Old Testament. He brought judges in to lead people out of their own failings. If he can do it for them, some of them folks, they were worshiping other gods and stuff, and he still had mercy on them. And they weren't even covenant people like we are, or at least not the covenant we're in. We got a new, better covenant. We're covered in the blood. Our sins are washed away. We can go to God and confess our sins. He's faithful and just to cleanse us right back up, make us right before him.
We need new expectations for a new day. Okay, so your situation's tough. You don't see where you're going to get a better job. You don't see how the money's going to come in to do this. You seem like you're going around the same old mountain. Start expecting. Start being obedient and start expecting. Start listening to God and doing what He says. You know what? This church needs bolder new expectations. And some of you in here probably will understand this more than others if you've been here. But some, a lot of places along the line of this church, we have had disappointment. We have had hurt. It has seemed like we get up on our feet, we get knocked down. We get up on our feet, we get knocked down, and we begin to expect to get knocked down again. Guess what? When you're doing things for the kingdom of God, you get knocked down. But you get back up. You don't quit. And you stop, don't stop expecting along the way. It's time for us to begin to expect for a new building. It's time for us to believe that somebody's going to give us a land grant. Or, somebody, or the perfect building is going to come open. It's time for us to expect that our outreaches are going to begin to really make an impact. The doors are going to open for us. People are going to give us favor. God's going to, just everywhere we go, His presence is going to cause revival. It's time for us to expect. Maybe that's what's lacking. That we're not expecting like we ought to be. We've been hurt. Okay, it's in the past. His mercy is new. This is a new day. One thing we need to do is help other people cultivate their expectations. Especially our children. Because our children are listening to what we say, and they believe everything you tell them about yourselves. We tell our children, well, you know, I didn't go to college. No, nobody in our family ever went to college. So if, you know, you get out of here, you, you get you a job with the, you know, work in construction or something, you know, maybe you can do that. Okay, why have you set the bar so low for your child? Negative expectations, low expectations. Why can't they go to college if that's what they want to do? Why can't they be a doctor? Why can't they be the president? Why do we chop down their expectations? Why do we tell them, you're dumb like, like your mama? They'll either live up to the expectations that you set for them or they'll live down to the low expectations that you offer them. They're listening to you. Their, their little souls are reaching out for, who am I? And when their mommy and daddy tell them something, they're listening. Wish I could go back, Kaylee. There was a student at school. He was doing a, a study. He wanted to see how you phrase a question, how big a difference it makes. He brought some apricots. Nobody cares about no apricots. He brought some apricots, and he sat at the end of the lunch line, 
And as the children were coming by, he was saying, you don't want these apricots, do you? They're like, no. Almost 99% of the kids said no. Then all of a sudden, halfway through the line, he says, I got fresh apricots. Would you like one? People started taking them. Just change the same apricot. Just change the way you presented it. That's to tell you something about the polls that we see out there, political polls these days. Okay. But just the way you present something can have a heavy influence on children. Okay, so I, I listed three things that we can do to better our expectations, to get better at having better expectations. And then we'll close. Now, I really didn't expect this to be a long message. But this shouldn't take long. Number one, these are basic things. I knew uh, we didn't have long, so I didn't, I probably could have thought of 20, but these are, these are easy. Something for us to leave with, to grasp hold of. Number one is just to develop your faith. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Who's talking? So now you're about to hear what God thinks about you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you what? An expected end. God wants you to have an expected end. He wants you to be able to expect what you're going to get. And he wants your expectations up there to know that he's not against you. He's not evil. He is good. You can be, he can be trusted. Why would we expect? I, I think everybody probably deals with that at some point. They think of themselves and they think, well, I am not worthy. I don't expect that God would help me in this situation. Or that I hadn't been good lately, so this or that. Get in the Word of God. Learn God's thoughts. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Right? When you read the Word of God, when you, when you, especially when you read it out loud and your own ears hear it and it gets down, that's planting seed. That good seed gives you faith and gives you an expected end. Something you can stand on. Number two, renew your hope. We're just starting out with where we're ending up where we started. Faith and hope. Renew your hope. Let's turn to Hebrews 6, 8. Hebrews 6, I'm sorry, 18. Hebrews 6, 18. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. And these two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Won't happen. It can't happen. God cannot lie because the moment he says it, it becomes the truth. He's God. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. As we hold the hope that lies before us, the hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. That confident expectation that we have, that hope in God, 
it quietens our soul. Our souls can, can be so anxious, so troubled, so split, so divided, so out of control. But not when we look at Jesus. Not when we keep our hope. It's an anchor. It keeps us steady in the storm. It leads us, it says, through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. In other words, you come into the Holy of Holies. It leads you, the hope leads you into God's presence. They used to be afraid of God. I can't look. They thought if they looked at God, they would die. But we can go straight into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies, because of our confidence, because of our hope that He is who He says He is, that He loves us. And we come boldly before His throne in to obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. We come boldly right into the inner sanctuary, close as you can get. So you've got to develop your faith, two, to renew your hope. And the third one that I wanted to throw out there is to grow your gratefulness. I don't think we understand the power of a grateful heart. 1 Peter 1.3, Peter says, all praise to God. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation. We're born again. It's all taken care of. We, he knows the end from the beginning, and he has told us his great plan. He has revealed to us what even the prophets had longed to look into. His plan of salvation, it is ours. It's not only something we hope to attain to, it is something that has already been attained for us. And we walk in it, we live in it, we have that hope, that blessed hope, that blessed assurance. So we give all praise to God when you ain't feeling good. When you don't have enough money to pay the bills. When you got every reason to start talking negative. I'm going to hit it in the water. I just know it. David Rass says, in daily life, we must see that it is not happiness that makes us grateful, but gratefulness that makes us happy. Then he goes on to say, the root of joy is gratefulness. Ain't that what we're looking for? Some joy, a little peace? Be ye grateful, thankful. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Find the good. Think on the lovely. When things are at their... Man, it seems like they're all at their worst and you are just tempted to lose all expectations. Start counting your blessings. Start counting the things that's going right instead of just looking and focusing on the things that's going wrong. What if you woke up today with only the things that you had thanked God for yesterday? That's all you had. All of a sudden, everything that you're taking for granted was taken away. How much would you have left? That's an interesting question. I don't have an answer to it. Psalms 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice 
and be glad in it. Amen. Turn to Philippians 1 and we'll close. Philippians 1.19, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians from behind bars. He's in jail. His only crime, preaching the gospel, loving people like Jesus. I'm sure he's got the mully grubs. We'll see what he has to say. I'm sure it's sad. First, um, Philippians 1.19 for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. He's talking about getting out. He's an old man by this point. He ain't gave up any hope. For I fully expect, I expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust faith. I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. There you got all of them. He's expecting, he's got hope, and he's got faith. In the midst of the dungeon. You remember Paul was the one down there in the inner dungeon. Began to sing at midnight. Paul went through it. But he came out with flying colors. He never lost faith. He never... He ran his race. He finished his course. Overall, what is your outlook about life? If life looks good to you, if you have hope, you're still trusting God despite the things that's going wrong or whether things look bad... You feel like you're about to give up and you just can't hardly go on. Whichever one or wherever in between, it's revealing your level of faith and hope right now. And I'll say it's time to rise up out of the mully grubs. I say it's time to thank God, develop our faith, renew our hope. Last time I went to play golf... I didn't hit any balls in the water. All I needed was Angie to tell me to stop doing that, and I was smart enough to take her advice. I'm going to tell you, when you tee a ball up, and you can ask Brother Tom, the local golf professional, when you tee a ball up, and you're looking at water in front of you in the green, if you've got an inclination, I'm fixing to hit it in the water. I know it. I know it. I can tell you 90% of the time where it's going. In the water. But if you got a confident expectation, I'm just going to be smooth, and this is going right on the green, it more than likely is. It's going over. How many want to go over? Or not under? All right. A lot of us have knocked a lot of balls in the water, but we still got balls left in our bag. Tee another one up. Tomorrow's a new day. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. 
For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.